Hello everyone and welcome back. It's the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 31. Uh, this is Nico DiMattia, your host, and I am riding solo today. No Horatio and uh, no guests. Just me. So you get to listen to this nasally voice for the next uh, few minutes. However, we have some interesting topics for you today. Uh, some cool stuff to talk about, some stuff I'm excited to talk about, uh, and I hope you're excited to listen to. Um, so let's kick it off. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the Alpina B3. So the Alpina B3 is a really interesting car in the sense that, well, this one specifically, because it's based on obviously the G23 series, um, and it's essentially Alpina's M3, right? It's the highest performing version of a three series from Alpina you can get. Um, so it's sort of like an M3 in the sense that it's a very, very, very fast 3 Series, but it goes about it a little bit differently. Uh, you know, an M3 is more of a hardcore, you know, it, not that it's hardcore, but it's more track-focused, right? It's more uh, dynamic. It's more designed to be a true, true blue-blooded sports car, whereas the Alpina, typically with Alpina offerings, they're a bit more luxurious, they're a bit smoother, they're a bit more designed for the everyday. Um, it's designed more for, you know, highway cruising, really fast highway cruising, but more highway cruising, and then the occasional twisty road, whereas the M car is more about just the twisty roads. Um, you'd, you'd much rather daily an Alpina than an M car because it's just going to be more comfortable every day. Um, and there's a, uh, an emphasis on quality and uh, premium materials on the inside. Uh, it's more about uh, luxury and uh, I don't want to say I don't want to say it's more about luxury and premium materials than an M car because M cars are very nice on the inside now, but uh, th- there's a, a whiff of specialness to an Alpina that an M car just doesn't have. Um, there's a bit of like handcrafted feel to an Alpina on the inside that you won't find in an M car. So there is that that difference between the two. There is that like delta between a, a Alpina and a BMW or a BMW M car. Excuse me. So the, the, the B3 is going to be your more performance-oriented car. But what's really interesting about this specific Alpina B3 is that it actually uses the same engine as the BMW M3. It's actually the same thing. It's the uh, S58 engine. So it's the same twin turbocharged 3 liter straight 6 that you'll find in the M3 based off of the same B58 uh single turbocharged straight six that you'll find in like, you know, a BMW M340i or something like that, Z4 M40i. So it actually is that's kind of bizarre because if you don't know already know, Alpinas typically don't use M car engines. They don't typically use engines developed from by the M division. They use standard BMW engines and then modify them modify those engines themselves. And that usually lends Alpinas an, an additional um, difference in feel. Uh, Alpina engines are typically a bit smoother. They're typically a bit more refined than M engines. Uh, M engines tend to be, you know, a bit more high strung, a bit racier. Where Alpina engines are a bit creamier. And uh, don't get me wrong, they're equally as powerful. The, both engines are about typically uh, the same in terms of power and performance. But uh, the Alpina just goes about its 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 acceleration, its performance in a bit uh, more of a refined manner. And so it's going to be interesting to see what Alpina does with this engine because it's an M engine. So how does Alpina change that in their typical, uh, usual way? Now, typically when Alpina uh, modifies an engine, it's pretty comprehensive. I mean, they replace pistons. 
uh, intake manifolds, exhaust manifolds, turbochargers, intercoolers, uh, radiators, oil coolers, all sorts of stuff. They, they change a lot. It's a very comprehensive engine tune. It's not like they just put their own map on it, which they do. They put their own software map on it. But um, that's not all they do. There's, it's a really comprehensive tune. Uh, typically, it's twin twin scroll turbochargers, you know, two twin scroll t turbochargers that they put on, you know, on the cars like the B7 and things like that. So they're, they're often immensely powerful. And I actually, uh, the only Alpine I've ever driven is the B7 uh, because I'm in the U.S. and we don't get, you know, all of Alpina's models. But typically, uh, if, if I'm judging by the B7, it, they feel better to me than the equivalent BMW engine or even M engine. There's like a, a there's just this extra layer of quality to an Alpina engine that I just absolutely adore. At least coming from the B7 versus like an M7, uh, you know, or 750i, excuse me. Um, the B7 feels drastically different and it feels much more enjoyable if you ask me. Having said that, I'm very curious to see what Alpina does with this M engine, this S58, especially because uh, it has less power than the M3. Now that's a little bit unusual for Alpinas. Typically their power output is right about the same as the M car equivalent. So like if, you know, for instance, the Alpina B5 uh, has about the same amount of power as a BMW M5. Um, they usually have more torque though, Alpinas. Um, like for instance, the Alpina B5, B5, I believe, has 590 pound-feet, whereas the B or the M5 has 553 pound-feet of torque. So typically, that's how it works, um, and that's certainly the case with the B3. So the Alpina B3 will have 455 horsepower, which is actually quite a few less than the uh, BMW M3, which has 473 horsepower in its base spec. Now, if you opt for the competition package with the upcoming M3, it will bump your horsepower up to 503 horsepower. So that's a huge difference now. From 455 to 503, the Alpina seems a bit outgunned. However, if the BMW M3's torque figure matches the torque figure of the X3M and the X4M, which use the exact same engine, it should have around 442, 443, I think, pound-feet of torque. Uh, whereas the Alpina B3 has 516 pound-feet of torque, so that's a big difference. So you can see that Alpina has modified their engine to not only make more torque, but it's it's a different sort of engine. You know, it's much punchier low down. It's not designed to, to rev out crazily like an M3 engine is. It's not a high-strung motorsport-style engine. It's, uh, you know, it, it's more, it's torquier. It's going to be smoother. It's going to have that extra layer of refinement to it. It's just going to have that typical Alpina feel, at least that's how it seems. Um, and so that's really exciting. That's really interesting to see. Now, I think, honestly, if I'm being serious, well, I'm laughing, but <laughs> it's a serious matter. Uh, I think that a lot of fans, I think this might be BMW, or Alpina's, excuse me, I think this might be Alpina's best-selling 3 Series variant ever. And the reason being is that this time it's going to be much more desirable than the M3. And allow me to explain. So the BMW M3 is going to be an incredible car. There's No one's questioning that it's going to be almost certainly going to be fantastic to drive. The 3 Series is great to drive. The engine we've already sampled in other cars, which is brilliant. It's going to be available with a manual gearbox and rear-wheel drive. It's going to be a sensational car to drive. No one's doubting that, but it's going to be ugly. <laughs> it's not going to be good looking. It's going to have a funky new grille, 
and whether it grows on us all or not or you know and, and that's likely to happen because most times new designs usually come as quite a bit of a shock to the enthusiast fan base and they usually reject them um i don't think this one's going to grow on anyone anytime soon um and it's really shocking so i think that uh, a lot of fans are going to want the M3's performance. They're going to want um, the way it drives. They're going to want to drive it, but they're not going to want to own it because they don't want to look at it. Um, and that's where the Alpina B3 comes in. So the Alpina B3 won't be available with a manual gearbox, which is kind of a shame. However, um, it does provide all the same performance as an M3, except for the fact that it doesn't look like an M3. It has the same regular grille as the 3 Series, and it looks so handsome for it. So because it's going to have just a regular grille with, you know, the normal BMW size, well, it's still pretty big, but for BMW standards today, it's just a normal sized grille. Um, it's not going to, the grills aren't going to eat into the lower front bumper. There's a clear, you know, body line between the grills and the, the lower front air intakes. Uh, and it looks very good, honestly. It looks great. Uh, and, and to my eye, I'm looking at it right now, it looks so much better than the spy photos and leaked photos we've seen of the M3 with its giant grill. The Alpina looks so much better. It looks clean, it looks handsome, it looks sporty, it looks refined. It's a fantastic looking car. Um, I think aside from maybe just the C-Class AMG, that is probably the best looking front end of a sports sedan maybe on the market. It's a fantastic looking car. I love the headlights um, of the new 3 Series, the little notch that pays homage to the, the E46. Um, I love the lower front bumpers, the lower, lower front air intakes. They look fantastic and the little Alpina badge. It's a great, great looking car. And I think that European customers are going to want this, the Alpina B3, over the BMW M3. And I don't know if I can blame them. I think the only thing that's going to keep customers going back to the M3 rather than the B3 uh, is its manual gearbox. Uh, the, the M3 will be available with a manual. And the only transmission option for the Alpina will be uh, a 8-speed ZF uh, with Alpina Switchtronic technology. So, and now that might not be such a bad thing though, because the ZF 8-speed is brilliant, as we've all come to learn, and Alpina's tuning of it is always excellent. Now, see, that's the that's the real kicker there, because Alpina always tunes the transmission as well. They don't just slap in a fancy engine and call it a day. They, you know, they really comprehensively tune these cars. So the transmission is tuned, the suspension is tuned, the differential is tuned. Everything is tuned to meet Alpina-specific standards. And because of that, you're going to get, even though it's an automatic, it's going to feel a little bit sharper than your typical, you know, 3 Series automatic. So, yes, it's not a manual, and that's a shame, but at least it's going to be, uh, you know, a little bit sharper than your normal 3 Series 8-speed. So, and plus it's a brilliant gearbox. It works so well. I, I don't think anyone's going to complain about driving this every day. And, and that's, I guess that's a trade-off you're going to have to make. So that, that's an interesting, I just thought of that as an interesting question. Do you buy the uglier manual or do you buy the prettier automatic? So you have to kind of weigh that. What do you, what do you uh, value more, manual transmission or good looks? And I think in today's day and age, if I'm going to make this choice, if I'm going to... Uh, kind of choose between that i'm going the alpina i'm going to go with the better looks and the reason is as much as i love manuals and i really 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 enjoy driving a manual and i think driving a manual can take a boring car and turn it into a great car just like that um as much as i love manuals modern manuals especially modern bmw manuals aren't really that good to use they're kind of rubbery they don't feel that great the the 
you know, there's not a clear like indication of like when you when you slide the gear lever into the actual gear, there's not like a positive, uh, there's not like positive feedback there. It kind of just feels notchy and rubbery. It doesn't feel tactile. Um, the, the clutch is usually really far down in the pedal. Like it's just, it, it doesn't feel. It, it kind of just feels like a half-assed attempt every time they put a manual in the car. Um, the M2 is pretty good, but even that, it's, it's like, uh, I don't know, they just don't feel great, BMW manuals, especially modern ones. Um, and that's not necessarily only BMW. I mean, most automakers are kind of being lazy with their manuals because no one buys them. So the investment, like putting a big investment to making a manual great doesn't seem to be worthwhile for a lot of automakers, and I get that. Um, so because of all of that, I think that I'd prefer the better-looking Alpina, and then also, it's a much different car, or at least judging by previous Alpinas, it's going to be a much different car because, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit more refined, it's going to be prettier, it's going to be a little more relaxed, a little more comfortable, a little more premium on the inside, and I think that that makes it a better daily. And I, I think that a lot of customers are going to see that, and I think that its better looks are going to be a huge reason as to why customers really go, well, you know what, let's try the Alpina this time. You know, I, maybe I love M cars, I love the way they drive, but let me try the Alpina because I just can't get on board with the M3's looks. And the Alpina is more exclusive, and it's more special. Let's give it a try. And I think you're going to see a lot of M customers switch over. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm no expert. I mean, maybe I'm completely off base here, but uh, that's my personal take on it. I really think that the B3 will be a huge success for Alpina simply because of how funky looking the M3 is going to be. Uh, and maybe you love the M3's design. We've actually had a lot of enthusiasts say that they do like it. Um, and some of them say, we've had a lot of people on social media say that, um, you know, they like it better than the standard BMW grills and M grills and stuff. So maybe there is a huge market for it that we're just, uh, we just don't know of really. But the, I think the Alpina B3 is going to be a hugely successful model just because people are going to want to jump ship. They're going to say, I can't get on board with that M3 styling. Uh, you know, maybe maybe in a few years when we all get used to it. But right now, the early adopters, I don't I don't think they're going to make that. I don't think they're going to go back to the M3. I think you're going to see a lot of people switch to the B3. Um, and another thing, the B3 comes as a wagon. The M3 does not and has never been a wagon. Um, and as far as we know, BMW is only really, 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 really lightly toying with the possibility of the idea of being somewhere in the ballpark of potentially making an M3 wagon. I mean, it's really almost certainly not going to happen, but they're kind of, they haven't completely shut the door on an M3 wagon. I mean, you can slide maybe a horsehair through that doorway. That's about as big as that doorway is, but it's still not 100% closed just yet. But uh, if you do want a fast three series wagon, um, your only choice is the Alpina because there is no M3 wagon. So the Alpina B3 Touring, to be specific, um, will be not only a gorgeous looking, awesomely fast, incredible to drive wagon, um, you know, it's going to be able to get from 0 to 60 in 3.9 seconds. It's going to be all wheel drive. You can use it all the time. Um, you, you know, you can take your kids to school with it, you can throw the dog in the back, you can go on family trips with it, or you can carve up a twisty mountain road and have a blast by yourself. Um, you know, you can you know, do the school run before work with your kids, and then on the way home from work, uh, you know, find that twisty road on the way home, take the long way home, and uh, unwind and relax. And I think that that, um, just that do-it-all nature of the B3 will make it uh, worth 
kind of opting for the prettier card. You're going to get into B3 Touring and say, well, this this is the better daily. Um, I, I'm happy with my choice. I'm happy with jumping from an M car. So I think it, not only will the B3 be a successful car, I think it also might turn a lot of people on to Alpinas. Uh, maybe maybe hardcore M uh, customers might say, let me try the Alpina this time, and then they get hooked, then, they, then it sticks. Um, maybe I'm crazy, but I think that that's, that's what's going to happen because it's just such a cool car and it's so unique. Um, it's, you know, you know, who has Alpinas? You know, very few people have Alpinas. So it's, it's really, really, it's going to be really interesting to see. And we're really excited about it. Unfortunately for us, because we're in the U.S., we don't get it. Uh, we don't get the Alpina B3. Hopefully uh, I get to drive one in my life. <laughs> it's a possibility I never drive one. Um, it's a likelihood that I never drive one, but I'm begging you, Andreas, Andreas Bobenziepen, please, please bring me out to, uh, to Germany and let me test drive one. I want to drive one because it looks like a blast, but, uh, <laughs> barring anything like that, yeah, we're not, we're not going to get to drive it. Russia will probably get sent over to Germany and drive it because that's, uh, that's what usually happens. But, uh, other than that, we're, we're stuck here without it which is unfortunate. But for all you European customers, um, you get to have it, you get to buy it, and I would really highly recommend doing so because I think it's going to be a wonderful car. Um, and, you know, maybe the M3 has has changed, has set the bar a little bit lower uh, for looks because when the 3 Series first came out, the new G23 Series first came out, I was like, oh, it looks good. It's not like gorgeous, but it looks good. And now I'm looking at the Alpina B3 next to an M3, and it looks breathtaking. <laughs> Maybe the, the bar has been lowered a lot. Uh, I don't really know. But uh, I think it's going to be a really, really cool car. So yeah, stay stay tuned to that, because we're going to have more stuff on that coming in the next you know week or so, coming coming weeks probably, actually. So, so you know, keep, keep your eyes fixed on our site, because we're going to have more of that. Now, our last topic that I want to talk about today, so only two topics for this podcast episode, but this one's going to be a longer one than normal. Um, it's something I'm, I was really excited about, and I really, really want to break down and talk about, and it's my test drive of the 2020 Toyota Supra. Um, I've been just absolutely freaking out about this car since, you know, since rumors of Toyota and BMW making a car together started to swirl. Uh, you know, there was no word of what the cars were going to be, if it was going to be one car for each car, or if each brand was going to have a car. There was nothing official at the beginning, um, officially announced. It was just rumors at the time. And, you know, even then, people were saying, it's going to be the Supra. It's going to be the Supra. We know it's coming. BMW and Toyota making a sports car together, going to be the Supra. So ever since then, I've been, I've been just dreaming of a day when I can drive a new Supra. for the. I've never driven any Supra, but the fact that it had been dead for, you know, 20 years almost... You know, there's going to be a new one, and uh, there's a possibility I can drive it. I was just through the roof. I, I was so excited about the idea of driving a brand new Supra. Um, so when it finally came out, and first the Z4 came out, that was BMW's version of it, the Z4. Uh, that came out, I drove the Z4, I was a big fan of it. Then the Supra came out, and there was a lot of controversy, because the Supra is, from what everyone said, is an objectively good sports car, but it feels too much like a BMW. It has its issues on track, and maybe it kind of has some weird handling characteristics on track, but honestly, no one's taking it to the track, so I don't really concern myself too much with that sort of thing. Um, but everyone said it's a good sports car, just too much like a BMW, not enough Toyota, not enough Japanese sports car feel, um, so it kind of just doesn't feel honest. And as any car, real car enthusiast will know, that honesty is important. 
when you drive a car you want it to feel like a really genuine sports car product not something derivative not something uh, cynical just to make money for a, a car brand you don't want it to feel like that because that it kind of spoils the fun you know you want to drive a car that feels like it was made by people who really really care um, so when I first heard that I was kind of I was really scared to be honest with you because I wanted the super to be so good I wanted it to be so special because it looks incredible. You know, you see it in pictures and it's just, you go, wow, like nothing else looks like that. It's just such a great looking car. And it was based on that Toyota, I believe it was called the FT1 concept, which came out a couple of years ago. And that was flat out breathtaking. Um, you know, the, it, the Supra isn't as pretty as that, but it, it's close. It's surprisingly close. And when you saw, when I first saw it in the picture, I said, that's a gorgeous car. I hope it's great to drive. I really do. So when I heard these negative reviews, I was nervous. I was really hoping that maybe they were all just being too cynical, you know, the typical car journalists who hate everything that isn't, you know, uh, the old Super, the original NSX, and, uh, you know, the original Miata. Everyone, every car enthusiast hates everything that isn't that, you know. So um, I, I was kind of just hoping that their cynicism kind of blinded them from how good it really is. So when it came time to actually test one, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, oh man, I really hope I don't hate this car. Like, I really hope I like it because I, I want to like it so much. And I was given two choices of color, uh, downshift blue or nitro yellow. And without question, without even thinking about it, I chose nitro yellow and I was very happy with my choice because when the nitro yellow 2020 Supra was delivered in my driveway, uh, it was a great day. I was very excited. Um, I have like a two and a half year old son and he is, despite being two and a half and, you know, so little, uh, he loves cars. And every time I get a new press car, he's very excited about it. But when he saw the Supra, I mean, he was ecstatic. He was freaking out. He wanted to see the yellow car. He looked super cool. He wanted to sit in it. He wanted to beep the horn. He wanted to do everything. He was so excited about it. And when a little tiny toddler is excited about a car, it's kind of funny because, like, they don't know anything. But it's not just a tiny toddler. Everyone who saw it loved it. I mean, it was getting crazy positive responses from literally anyone who saw. People were driving past my street and slowing down and stopping just to stare at it. People were taking pictures of it. I mean, just static in my driveway, not doing anything. People were walking by, taking pictures of it. Uh, people literally, literally stopping their cars to look at it. I mean, several people who live on my street stopped their car to look at it. It is a extremely magnetic design. So I, w I just I wanted it to be as good as it looks. I wanted to drive as well as it looks, and I uh, I was really nervous. And then I started to drive it, and I have to say, at first, I was very disappointed. I was like, this feels exactly like a Z4, um, and that's good, but it doesn't have enough character. It doesn't have enough difference to make it truly, truly special. Um, it doesn't feel like a special product. It doesn't feel different from any other fast BMW. It kind of feels derivative, and I was really kind of disappointed about that. Um However, I will say that over the course of a week, it grew on me. And I think it was the little things. The little things that really added up to make it feel like a really fun, uh, really enjoyable car. And there were a couple of things that I actually noticed about it that made it seem different enough, just different enough from the Z4 uh, that made it feel special. One is the steering wheel itself. So the wheel is a mini wheel, essentially. It looks just like every other wheel you'll find in a steering wheel you'll find in a mini. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good looking wheel, but it's a it was a bit disappointing when you first saw it, because it's like, alright, this is just 
you know, digging from BMW's parts bin, uh, and it's not really that special. However, Toyota seems to have carved away a lot of the thickness of the rim. If you drive a lot of BMWs uh, recently, over the past couple of years, you'd know that the steering wheels are getting thicker and thicker and thicker uh, until the point where it's like dra grabbing uh, tree trunks. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, and modern BMW wheels are so thick uh, that it's getting quite obnoxious. Now, the thicker the steering wheel, the, the less steering feel you're going to have because there's just simply more padding between your hand and the actual wheel. Like, it's just how it is. Um, you know, if you have a really spindle thin steering wheel, you feel really every little vibration that comes to the wheel. Um, so the, the Toyota is with a little bit thinner. And whether or not that tricked me into just thinking there was a little bit more steering feel or the actual steering in the Supra does have more feel than I remember the Supra having because it did feel better. Uh, whether, like, again, whether it was just, uh, you know, some trickery, whether it was just in my head or it did have better steering feel, it was more enjoyable to use uh, than the Z4s. Now, having said that, having a thinner steering wheel does actually just make it more enjoyable in and of itself. You know, steering feel aside, the actual wheel itself being thinner um, is more playful. It's a little more, it's a little easier to use. It's more fun. Uh, you know, the giant thick wheels of BMWs, at first I start, I liked it, but then it just, it's been getting out of hand and, um, you know, I'm starting to appreciate thinner wheels more and more. And when you, especially when you drive cars that are really designed to be driver's cars, you realize that they don't have thick steering wheels. It's just not a thing. You know, you drive an Alfa Giulia Quadrifoglio, you drive a Mazda Miata, or you drive a McLaren, or anything like that. The wheels are nice and thin. Um, and that just gives you better grip over the wheel, as you to just have better feel over it. It's just, it's just a better, uh, it's just a more enjoyable experience. So the actual thinner wheel itself did help. I really did like that a lot. Another interesting aspect of its interior also that I really, really liked was its gauge cluster. So as much as all the technology in the Supra is essentially BMW tech, you know, it's essentially an iDrive screen in the center of the dash, the gauge cluster is different. So you get a centralized tachometer um, and the tach, the, the surround of the tach, like where the numbers sit, is physical. That's physical, those numbers are really there. Uh, there's a digital needle in between them or in the center of them rather, in the center of that dial, and it changes based on sport mode or you know comfort mode. It actually kind of looks pretty cool when you put it in sport mode. Um, and then on the side of that, it, uh, the tack is flanked by you know two little digital screens that tell you different things. Like one will tell you speed, another one will tell you information, and they're semi-customizable. So that's pretty cool. But it just looks really cool. It looks much better than like the live cockpit professional you'll find in the Z4, especially the Z4 because it's like really small. It's like a shrunken version of it. And it's hard to, it's like really genuinely difficult to, to use and to read while you're driving quickly because the font is small and all the graphics are small. But this, the, uh, the Supra's rather is, is different. Uh, the font is different. It looks better. Uh, it's easier to read. And just a centralized tack makes it seem sportier, but it also makes you kind of just more keenly aware of you know your revs and how quickly you're driving it's just it's just a sportier thing it's why Porsche's always had the center mounted tack and you know stuff like that it's just a cooler look as well as it's you know more useful and that may seem like a trivial kind of insignificant change but it's actually important because you look at it 90% of the time you're in the car you know you're you know you're looking down to see your speed you're looking down to see your revs you're looking down to see what's going on 
you know, it's something you look at constantly while you're in the car. So the fact that it's easier to use and looks cooler is important, actually. You know, I'm a sucker for gauges, and the Toyota Supra's gauges are better than the Z4's. So I thought that, that was pretty cool. Um, one side note, the iDrive in the Supra isn't tilted towards the driver like it is in um, in uh, most BMWs. And hell, um, every BMW forever that I can remember has had like the at least the radio or something tilted towards the driver. It's always driver-focused. Um, and the Supra's isn't, which is odd. And it, it kind of really shows why that's important, why it's important for the, the stuff to be tilted to, towards the driver, because it just makes it easier while you're driving. Um, trying to use the iDrive screen that's flat uh, against the dash that isn't tilted towards the driver is a little bit tricky, actually. It's like you can't really see it that well, and like the sun kind of washed it out more, and it was just a little bit tricky. I won't, I won't lie. I didn't, I really wished it had been tilted, you know, toward me. And um, I, I noted something you notice immediately when you first start using it, especially if you're used to BMWs, especially because it's an iDrive screen, too. That makes it seem, you know, kind of odd because it's it, the screen is a BMW, but it's not oriented as BMWs would be, which is kind of kind of bizarre. But other than that, the interior is actually really cool. It's it's a sea of black on the inside. Like there's nothing special like looking about it or something flashy, but it's just a sea of black. But it looks pretty cool and the seats are really good. So you know that's cool. It's, it's a good it's a good looking interior. But one another odd oddity about the interior though is the speaker engine trickery. So like all BMWs, uh, you put your foot down and you hear a ton of noise and it sounds kind of good usually. And then you're like, wait a minute, that's all the speakers, isn't it? And that's true. And basically every BMW, the you know, most of what you're hearing when you put your foot down is speaker trickery. Um, and BMW says that's only a very little bit, but in the BMWs where you can turn it off, uh, the difference is vast. The difference between the, having the fake speaker noise on and off is pretty significant. Um, and I, I tried to turn it off in the Supra, and I don't think it has that feature. So I, you know, I dug through the menus, and I don't think it has that feature. Uh, maybe it does in the 2021 models. Mine was a 2020 model. Um, so I, I don't know, but I didn't find it. But what's odd is that when you hear that from the inside, you're thinking, this sounds exactly like a BMW. And then you, know, you hear it rev up from the outside, and you think, well, that doesn't sound exactly the same as it did on the inside. That sounds a little bit different, and it does. Uh, the the outside sound, like the inside fake sound, doesn't sound exactly the same as what the exhaust and engine actually sound like, um, which is odd. Cause it seems like Toyota tuned the exhaust a little bit to sound slightly distinct um, from the Z4, but then they just used the same BMW Z4 M40i uh, interior speaker soundtrack because... <laughs> It sounds just like a Z4 M40i from the inside, but on the outside it sounds different, and the outside sounds better, to be honest with you. Um, so I would always suggest if you have a Supra, keep the windows down. Now, there's a lot of Supra owners and customers and uh, you know journalists and enthusiasts who have driven the Supra who say that the Supra has terrible wind buffeting. Um, that if you turn roll the windows down, even at moderate speeds, the wind buffeting is so bad. And that's true. If you roll the windows all the way down, I mean, anything past like 35 miles per hour, and it's unbearable. It feels like your eardrums are going to explode. It's really bad. Uh, you know, every sports car has wind buffeting, to be honest, but the Supra's is like extraordinarily rough. Um, however, I noticed that if you just roll the windows up just halfway, it kind of gets rid of the wind buffeting until highway speeds. So you can keep the windows down most of, you know, halfway. It's a, it's a good amount, and you can still hear the good engine noise. You can still hear all that stuff. 
Um, and it's a better experience, to be honest with you. That's how I drove it most of the time with the windows like halfway down. And then once I hit the highway, they went up and the AC went on. Um, that's kind of how I drove it. And I, I, I liked it like that. I think that was the best way to drive it. And I haven't really even gotten to the engine yet. Um, the engine is BMW's B58 engine, which is you know the same as you'll find in the Z4 M40i, the BMW M340i. Uh, I have the 2020 tester. The 2020 model year was my test car. So it only had 335 horsepower. Uh, Toyota has updated the Supra since. The, for the 2021 model year, it got a really quick refresh. So it got a quick update. Just one model year later, and it got a quick update. And it's actually a pretty substantial update. The engine got bumped from 335 horsepower to 382 horsepower, which is the same as the Z4. Um, and it got some suspension tuning uh, changes, some steering tuning changes, and stuff like that to make it sharper, a little bit more enjoyable to drive. And apparently, from what I from what I understand, the differences actually are noticeable. You know, those changes make a substantial difference. And um, uh, no, so I was really excited to try that. I don't know why I got the 2020 model year. I guess they're just still in the fleet because um, car companies they get they send cars out to press fleets, and then that's how us as journalists go, and we we you know. We get them through these press fleets, and I know the 2021 model years are in the fleet. The new ones are in the fleet because I know other journalists who have driven it, uh, you know, have had borrowed it as a test car. I guess maybe the only 2020 was available, so that's what they gave me. But I do find it odd that they gave me the car that isn't actually on sale anymore. That's different from the one that's on sale anymore because it has been updated since. So it's a bit odd that I, I drove one that isn't exactly as what you can buy right now. Um, but I guess it's close enough to get a good idea as to what the Super is really all about. Uh, and honestly, 335 horsepower is plenty. It's a very fast car. The Super is very, very fast, and it's very, very fun to drive. Um, you know, when you, but what's odd is it's only really fun when you really push it. When you're really pushing it hard, whether it be you know just in a straight line or you know on a, a twisty road, that's when you really notice you know how good of a sports car it actually is. And then you realize, okay, the steering is good. The front end bites really well. Uh, you know, the chassis rotates well. It's a willing dance partner. You can play with it. You can push it. It's a fun car. It is a good sports car. But you have to push it. And I've noticed this, and it's the same thing with all BMW products, like the M performance cars, uh, the M340i, the Z4 M40i. They're only really fun when you push them. You know, when you're just driving them around, they're so competent. They're so capable uh, of really high speeds and really, you know, 10 tenths driving on a track that... When you're just driving them around town, they're so under stress that they just don't feel excited. They just kind of feel really ordinary. Um, and it's the Supers the same way. You know, driving around town, it just feels ordinary. Um, because it's just, it, it's nothing you're throwing at it can even come close to pushing it. So it doesn't feel special. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't get to show you how good it is until you really start to push it. And I guess that's, maybe it's just the nature of all sports cars now. Um, you know, maybe that's not such a bad thing. Because uh, it is so capable. When you do start to push it, it is a lot of fun. So I guess that's the trade-off you have to have. But overall, towards the end of the week, I realized I do like the Supra. I do. It's a car that I really actually enjoy. Um, ha I enjoyed having it. You know, I enjoyed my time with it. I enjoyed the fact that every time I walked outside, it was there. Uh, it was a car that I think I'd be happy to own. Even though there's a bit of cynicism surrounding it. There's a bit of like, oh, it's just a BMW in a Japanese suit. And maybe it is, but it, it, it looks incredible. That's a, it's an incredible-looking Japanese suit. You know, it, and it looks Japanese, that's the thing. Like, even though it doesn't look like any other Supra before it, the second you see it, it's instantly recognizable as a Supra. 
Um, it just has that Japanese sports car look, or maybe at least it's the look of what an uneducated American thinks looks like a Japanese sports car. But um, you know, it just looks it looks Japanese, and I love that about it. I, I just absolutely adore the way it looks. I like its interior. Uh, its engine's brilliant, whether it's BMW or not. It, you know, it is, but you know, it, who cares? It's a brilliant engine. It's a capable sports car. Um, it has a pretty practical trunk, you know, I was able to stuff a couple of beach chairs in it and a cooler and, and head to the beach. It was a cool car uh, to, to just have, to just like live with on a regular basis. And it, just looking at it and walking up to it kind of brings a smile to your face. It kind of brightens your day a little bit because it is so interesting looking and so unique. Uh, and like like I said, like my, my toddler loved it. You know, it's just, it's a cool car to have around. It's just a cool car to own. Um, and... Basically, my thoughts were at the end of the week, um, at the end of my time with it, my thoughts were essentially, yes, I do wish it was more Toyota. Yes, I do wish that it was. It felt more different uh, than a BMW Z4. But at the end of the day, I also know that Toyota would not have made the Supra if it weren't for a partnership uh, such as this one. So I know that it wouldn't have existed at all if not for a partnership with BMW, and if if not for being made exactly as it is, uh, it wouldn't have existed at all. And I would rather it exist as it is than not exist at all, because it is a good car, and it's a car worth getting. It's a car worth owning, um, and I'm, I'm happy it exists. I'm, I'm happy it's here, and I, I enjoy that fact. So I'd rather have it even flawed than not have it at all. Um, so I think that that's the, an important distinction to make, despite the cynicism that surrounds it. Um, you know, we're better off with it. So, you know, be happy that it's here, celebrate it, enjoy it. And as BMW fans, I think we should be excited that it's part of, you know, it's sort of a cousin to uh, to your favorite brand. You know, because it is a really cool sports car, and I think being associated with it makes BMW a little bit cooler, to be honest with you. Um, so, you know, I think be happy that it's here. Um, and that's all we have for this week. Uh, so we have some more interesting test drives coming up, so I'll have some more interesting stuff to talk about over the next couple of weeks. We're going to try to get some more guests for you guys. Um, you know, please, uh, please, you know, stay tuned to our channels. We have more YouTube videos coming out. Check check those out. Uh, you know, read our site, bmwblog.com, obviously. Check out our social media. And, you know, thank you for listening, you know, and stay tuned uh, for more.